everybody. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. This is my co-host, Biscuit Reynolds, in painting form because he declined to participate in this uh, podcast, except you will hear, if you really listen, the snufflings of a Persian cat walking through to get some water and then going back to sleep. Um, I'm very excited for this episode uh, with my friend, Michael Anthony. Uh, Michael Anthony's been on the podcast, twi podcast twice before, um, once talking about serving in the military under John Aston Tell, um, and then another time where we talked about something really juicy, and I forget exactly what it was. Um, but I will put those links below, and um, this time around, we talked about um, a lot about transition, a lot about gender, a lot about souls and the twin flame experience and sort of the opposite of the fairy tale version of how we're raised where like some, listen, I'm gonna level with you. We are all Cinderella. We are all the fairy godmother and we are all Prince Charming. All, all of that is us. We are also like the cute chubby mice that help out. We are the pumpkin. We are the horse that becomes uh the person driving uh the carriage um we are also the glass shoe I, i'm just gonna say i think the glass shoe is your chiron but all that to say it's us it's up to us we are choosing ourselves and there is also this concept of twin flame uh journeys and twin flame experiences which michael anthony has done a deep dive in studying on and i've loved learning about it and i wanted to share it with all of you so that we could kind of dispel the idea that there is a Prince Charming that's going to come in and choose you and therefore make everything great. Um, and instead, there is just you and how great and wonderful you are and following your desire path. Uh, the whole point of this podcast is to give you um, a breadth of human success stories to choose from to help you figure out what your success story journey is going to look like, um, because you have a lot more choice than we are raised to believe um, what's possible. I choose how I spend my time in the media I create because I am a Patreon supported artist. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com is a membership support site that allows creators like me to be uh, supported and produced by folks like you. It is the record label tried to be. Uh, and Patreon is fan-sustained member creation. And it started with YouTube creators and is expanded to podcasts. And I know consultants on there and artists of all genres um, get to have a home uh, because of Patreon. And I'm so grateful to everyone who supports. It's patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. It is not, it is dance aerobics in the style of Richard Simmons and Jane Fonda and Miss Piggy and all of the greats. Tybo and hip hop abs, but like only I could create because it's also an inner child healing. I'm a Reiki master. Um, and I also teach a lot of spiritual self-care lessons that I only put on uh, my Patreon. So there is a lot of juicy stuff in there. I've been working on it, uh, on that container of creations for the last six years. And I'm so grateful for it because it allows me to create this podcast, which is a free resource for everybody. And I do foresee a day where I can afford an editor who makes more edited podcasts for the public and we have unedited podcasts for the patreon babes uh, i'm so glad you're here thanks for tuning in um please like and subscribe and all the things um it all helps reviews help um you can also work one-on-one -on -one with me um i'm a reiki master healer and i'm also great at business brainstorming and helping you figure out what your next right steps are um and all the info on that is in the show notes you can clicky clicky and without further ado on with the show Welcome back to the podcast, Michael Anthony. Happy Pride. Thank you. Happy Pride. Oh, yes. Happy Pride all year long. Pride's all year long. Pride <laughs> is all year long. Like every day you step forward as an LGBTQIA plus uh, human in the world, owning your truth, owning who you are. It is Pride. And Pride is a protest. It has always been a protest, but it is a fun protest. We have fun, even while we're waiting for the world to change. For sure. Yeah, we're going to dance our way to freedom, no doubt, yeah. because we are free. So, <laughs> Because we are free. Um, Michael Anthony, uh, gender sorcerer, will you tell us about uh, the shift in name and the shift in pronoun and identity uh, situation in your life since the last time you were on the podcast? Yes. Well, I was initially assigned female at birth 
and based on that was assigned Megali as a name for my mom who is an angel and I'm grateful for every day and I love her so much and so I've been proud to have that as a name it hasn't really resonated as much for a long time and so I've changed it throughout my whole life from <laughs> it's never really been Megali for very long it was for a little while but most recently I've resonated most most with going um, with Michael Anthony as my name which is a name that my mom had picked out and was going to give me if I'd been assigned male at birth aside from my biological father who probably wouldn't have allowed it and changed it to his own name. <laughs> um, but it was a name that I always enjoyed knowing about as a kid when my mom would talk about it. She talked often about, um, they were planning and thought that I was going to be biologically male based on my ultrasound and before um, they'd taken a peek at my sex. <laughs> um, so until I was born, they sort of just always presumed and been planning for. And so I've heard a lot of that throughout my life. And so Michael Anthony recently has been the name that's been fitting the most and I'm also um, determined to go with whatever feels most resonant. And so that might change at some point. And I appreciate everyone understanding and using whatever name like fits best at the time. And I appreciate you so coming coming with various um, potential nicknames. And, I like, forgot. I forgot. I had suggested the name Manja uh, with an exclamation point, like Manja as a name, right? But I mean, I know it's not right for you. But trust and believe you and everyone who is listening or watching to this, uh, I will influence someone to take the name Manja. I love it. And as a like a character in a show or a play, I think it sounds great, especially. Um, but maybe another verb will fit. Um, and I so, forgot yeah, that I did that. <laughs> and um, also using he, him, his pronouns. Um, and yeah, that's been for now feeling, you know, better and more resonant. Um, I've been determined for a while, and we've talked about this a lot, Bevan, to really um, be in touch with my soul and understand more about why I came here and sort of why I had the memories that I came with and the um, the knowing as a child that I had of my um, understanding of a masculine energy that I had expressed previously and would dream about all the time. And then when I woke up, would have to like deal with the reality of being told that I wasn't who I thought I was. And so... At some point, I really tried to understand that and accept that I really was a girl because everyone said I was. And then I tried to live that way and to like be true in that. And it just always felt, felt not me while also enjoying it and appreciating getting to be around it a lot. And so, yes, I'm just continuing to return and to feel sort of safer in myself and being more authentically myself and more whom I meant to be, who I meant to be before I sort of thought that other folks could tell me based on other outside um, conditions and beliefs of stuff that it turns out is all totally made up <laughs> anyway. And so, yeah, I appreciate you because you've been so wonderfully supportive and um, yeah, so many folks have been. So I really appreciate that. One of my things I seek to do as a human in the world is to just love my people. And one of the best things you can do to love your people is just believe them. You know, like just when someone says, hey, this is what I need you to use for my pronouns. This is what I need you to use for my name. Believe them. And like, also don't be a bitch to yourself, to myself as it, about times you flub because you're going to flub for a while because it's new, right? Like the groove of, uh, it's like there, I've known you as several names, right? And so like I hit a groove, right? And like, I'm really curious if you'd be willing to talk about like your process of like, moving into what is presently he him Michael Anthony but like for a while was like using I think mags as your pronouns right like your name is your pronouns um and like before that she hers just like kind of where your aha moments happen just for folks out there to kind of understand that kind of process yeah I was always I continue to try to find the name and often a nickname that would fit best and so as a kid um I started out with a nickname, really. I wasn't called Magali even, or Maggie, which ended up eventually being what I was called as I was older. I started out with Mama as my name, which it's, I know, it's part of my Cuban culture, again, to have like everyone getting a nickname of some kind is very typical, often lots of nicknames, and they change with time. And I don't know why exactly that was my nickname. I was, for some amount of time, the baby of the family. And maybe that's why, and you know, when you talk to babies, you talk to them in very like, general terms a, a lot with um like Cuban babies like mama and papi and like papito or mamita you know and like 
everything's super gendered and so but that sucked for whatever reason and so my family members and other folks called me mama and that felt especially not me <laughs> as I got older and then eventually became Maggie and then little Maggie especially because my mom was Maggie herself um and that never really fit um but my cousin Stephen called me Mags always like for a long time he'd started me that when we were kids I think and continued calling me that and then like other people around the way like San always called me Mag as a short or early on too and now I've asked her actually to change that and she may or may not do it actually but that's Sandra um so Mags then became like the more recent way to go from eventually I went to Magali professionally because there was a Maggie in the office so then it became Magali which people don't always know as feminine but I know it was a very feminine name it's my mom's name and then that didn't really fit totally either so then mags became the shortened version of Magali, and then i went backwards to the acronym um to my landing ginger sorcerer because i love making acronyms out of words that aren't acronyms and then i forget a lot of acronyms that are actual acronyms um and then yes as i i did a meditation one day of thinking about like well what if i had always felt free to continue and i did for a little while try to assert myself in my gender expression and then felt um defeated sort of when my mom like told me that I just had to kind of do what was expected. I didn't want to displease my mom and um, give her a hard time or make it hard for her. So I just was like, okay, I'll try to do this thing. And so I thought if I had stayed free enough, free enough to remember how I really felt and what I really wanted and continued to say that to my mom instead of giving up. And it'd been really stubborn the way my sister was very stubborn and very persistent and very um, willing to melt down and throw a temper tantrum about absolutely anything to get what she wanted and would go to whatever level it took and would not give up and could stay mad about something for days and days in order to get what she wanted. I saw her tactics be very effective. Her persistence, um, Capricorn. We loved, I mean, we don't want to see it, but we love the emotional terrorism of that. <laughs> it could be five years later and she'll remember that thing that she didn't get and then be like, well, you know, this would be a good time for you to get me that thing you didn't get me five years ago. You know what? I can't say I haven't done that myself. No, and I, it's one of the things I love about her in a way. And then I went the opposite direction of it. But if, I thought if I hadn't done that, if I'd stayed really focused and like stubborn and used my tactics wisely, or even use my sister wisely, who might, might I have been and like, what would I have asserted? And I know that would have been one of the things that I would have wanted to do um, was to hear certain names and to be treated a certain way and to have, you know, get to be in the category in my family of boy instead of girl. And my mom, I think would have been supportive as she has been now. And she would have been happy to give me the name that she wouldn't give me before as, you know, she's been happy now to have that be my name and hasn't felt any kind of like right away. It wasn't like, oh, but what about my name? She's always understood me to be masculine and, you know, queer and, you know, was never surprised about any of that stuff really. It's just like, needs to catch up sometimes on like how things work or like unlearning some things, but never because um, she's always going to find a way to support me. And so I know she would have supported me then too and would have supported like name change stuff for sure. So that's why Michael Anthony, at least for now. <laughs> I love it. And I love that you're open to, because you're a water sign. You're a Scorpio sun with five points in Scorpio, which is quite a lot. Um, a Cancer rising and a Gemini moon. Like there's a lot of change in that big three, you know, like that's, you know, I mean, well, we have to figure it out. This is the thing. One of the things that's upsetting me lately here that I can find <laughs> reason to be upset about and, you know, the discussion over whom should be free to to do and like assert what freedom they have. And then even for parents, what they can assert on their children's behalf. Um, this idea that we're not meant to get to explore it and discover it and decide what fits best and find that some of it doesn't fit or some of it does, or it fits for a little while and we learn what we want to, and then we move on. I think even gender is definitely one of those journeys as souls that we experience that folks still want it to be very like, known and rigid and set and that isn't how most people actually experience it at all and yet now we want to tell children they don't know who they are because you can't know who you are and yet some of us do know who we are or we want to figure it out by exploring and and finding out if we do like it or not and there isn't anything invalid about the exploration or it changing and being fluid over time and becoming something that you don't know you are how you are until you try these other things that didn't fit with you as well or that you learn from and then go to something else like um it is freedom that we're meant to be preserving not the idea that you have to fit in the box and hurry up and get in it and then do all these certain things because of those boxes or because of the expectations even i think now 
having a path to being transgender and to having certain accessibility that we absolutely should have a right to, it's also okay that it not be, you know, a very set journey for any one person. We're just meant to have the freedom, I think. And so I'm ready to have as much freedom as I can grant myself. And that also I ought to have like in general and even the freedom to think about like what is truly freeing versus what ties me to some expectations still or, you know, a need to be validated in some way that is understandable and yet often difficult to attain. I, I think it's really beautiful to just remember that like things can change and should change. And like, mm -hmm. even on a soul level, like, um, I recently heard that like, as we shift cellularly, right? Like think about your skin as your biggest organ and we entirely change what our skin is every four months. Like the skin that touched the person I slept with five months ago is an entirely new organ now. Isn't that wild, mm -hmm. right? To, like to think about that, right? And our change physically. So like on a soul level, you can get new instructions from, you know, central casting uh, mm -hmm. as you're shifting and changing. And so just remembering and being available to that, like, it isn't the, it's the narrative for a lot of people. I always felt off. I always felt like a boy or whatever, right? Uh, or like a girl or like whatever, none or all of it. Like, I think some people are gender full, some people are genderless, but like, also it's okay and totally functional if you like spend the first part of your life feeling really resonant with the body that you have and the category of gender, which by the way, the idea of gender categories is even questionable, right? right? And so like, it can feel cool and then it can feel uncool. And like the part of sovereignty in your life and freedom is to really just vibe into what's resonant now and what do you need from the people you love like are like I know a lot of people who live in the closet and like it's kind of wild like I can't like that's not for me like I came out at 19 years old and I'm really glad and I kind of wish it had been earlier you know like but I didn't even realize gay was the thing I could be I was raised around gay people and nobody talked about it and like there was no media representation and so somehow it bypassed me that that was even an option but once it was an option then I was like hmm you know, and like, also, the more you learn about compulsory heterosexuality, compulsory monogamy, and like, the effect of colonialism, um, like, once you really understand how much you've actually just been brainwashed, there's a whole world out there. There's mm -hmm. millions of ways to be a happy, successful adult. And so, um, Michael Anthony, uh, can we talk a little bit about the sexuality component? Because gender and sexuality are different things, but sometimes your gender shifting might change your sexual orientation. Yes. And so, okay. So we wanted to talk about the twin flame experience, but then before you talk about that specifically as a soul's journey, right? And the path that a soul can take, zoom out first to even the idea, right? That souls are here having these experiences. We, each of us as a soul having experiences, um, for the purpose of expansion and for the purpose of consciousness, um, doing what consciousness does as a fractal of God source energy, right, of the creational energy that made everything <clears throat> and us being individual little sub elements of that, then wanting to experience all of creation, you have to set up something to experience and we come into these lives with some framework of what we're going to experience because of the history of the timeline we come into. And then we also have these divine plans of what we want to experience and how we want to expand. And so understanding that we're not human, we're having human experiences, but we are divine eternal consciousness and energy essentially. Energy doesn't have gender, right? Gender is a very biological thing and Gender is this made up conceptual feeling that we want to express of what we know about ourselves um, to be in the conditions that we've experienced and what we know. And then some of us come in with this like history and memory of other experiences. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but here we are to experience even the idea of gender and gender being tied for colonial reasons and colonizers reasons to sex, which is anatomy, but isn't um, 
biologically binary. We have a spectrum of um, sex that we see in humans and animals in general. <clears throat> and because we're consciousness, we want to experience all the possibilities and all the different um, combinations. And you can only do that by picking some set combination of um, conditions and then expanding and growing. And that's the whole thing I was saying is sort of like part of what we're doing here is to expand and grow. And that means we can't be fluid, we can't be rigid, we can't be all knowing of everything immediately, or there's nothing to learn and grow and actually expand from. And that's just not how it works. And so we come in to experience gender, and then our idea of gender often gets informed by our cultural conditioning and our um, societal connections and all the things that we take in as information. And then we have some expression that then wants to be experienced, taking all of that into effect, and then what feels like most us, for whatever reason it feels most you. And so um, souls are all here having these experiences to experience individuality of creation in order to understand that all of creation is actually one thing that's been created by God or God source, by the creator energy that created all of this experience for us. Um, and that is then the collective of everything being combined. And you can't have that knowingness of everything being all one thing and collective unless you can experience it individually and have different viewpoints to understand the contrast and the duality of everything, that everything has more than one nature at the same time. And you understand that there's more than one nature by experiencing one or both natures in relation to each other. And so souls are all here to have these different experiences and the twin flame experience specifically itself is a specific journey. And I would say that being queer, experiencing gender, um, experiencing different cultures, experiencing different parts of the world, those are all other journeys too of souls to experience and then the twin flame or ascension um, duality experience is a specific one that we're going to talk about. We'll pause there. <laughs> um, okay. So for you, yeah. how did it shift and has it shift? Or do you just feel the same oriented as you always were and it doesn't really? So I finally, um, or I, I, I've returned to feeling the knowing that I had and it finally making sense. Like I'd I thought for a long time I must have like gotten my own gender wrong. <laughs> I thought that there must have been some way that I was experiencing um, a, a poor choice of my own to sort of miscategorize myself. And I was sort of thinking like, okay, if I've had these other lives and I've had these other experiences, then I'm remembering what it's like to have been a boy and a man for, but that's not what I'm doing here. And that's how I came here. Why would I have gotten this female body instead. Um, and what I've <laughs> I think, um, been able to understand because of um, the, the twin flame experience or thinking about the twin flame as an experience, which is about um, returning to your own unity and returning to your own oneness and that, um, okay, so the twin flame experience. You have essentially a soul that decided that it wanted to experience itself split into different bodies so that the two different um, subsets could go and have different um, second density and third density experiences and then come back together in third density, which is the density where you go from seeing yourself and understanding that you are an individual and that you're meant to be your authentic individual and understanding that as an individual, you're also meant to be in service of the collective. And that's the duality of how to balance self, service to self and service to others. And so when you, to achieve the oneness and achieve the reunification, you have to have sort of harmonized your own energy enough to not miss each other and to not just be clashing and to not just repel each other because you have a, the same underlying signature, but the experiences of your own experiences change you a lot. And so I realized that I came to express a masculine energy and to remember that I had so often been in masculine energy previously that I needed to have 
a different opposing experience while <clears throat> having an outward sort of experience that was different while still feeling internally the same as myself and knowing who I was, but then would I allow the outside and the conditioning and the expectations and my own sort of human needs to take me away from being authentic and actually expressing what I came to express and then actually feeling free enough to do that and to be myself and to acknowledge it because um, for a while in, in the patriarchy and my own experiences and my own trauma, I really denied my own masculine energy and like pushed away masculine energy and like thought all masculine energy was toxic in some form or another and even could blame the patriarchy for it and say it's not like our fault that it's like that but it's like that and I hate it and I don't want any part of it and um it'd be great if like all the masculine energy would just leave please and then that really prevents um the divine union and the oneness that you're trying to um experience and resonate in in the twin flame experience because you're pushing away your own internal energy since we all have masculine and feminine energy. Um, okay. So we each have our own masculine and feminine energy, but it is possible that when we incarnated, our soul was split in two so that two experiences in the same lifetime could be happening. And it's possible for reunification to happen, but not necessarily uh, true like not necessarily the destiny because one might repel the other because you you use the term there's lint on you yes and so okay yeah so to, there's so you have um the you have a, a soul that's completed first density and it has a certain amount of photonic density and it decides it wants to take that amount of energy essentially and split it into two and now those two individual souls that are still whole and one that's the thing i have to remember they're always still whole they're always still one still connected to source there's nothing incomplete about either one of them they i want to just underscore this you are whole no matter you're right always. now as quote broken as you think you might be you are whole and complete healing is a never-ending journey success is a never-ending journey life is a never-ending journey you're just here to learn and it's yes. okay that you're a little and and also while you're learning and growing and healing your soul is also eternally immortally perfectly whole balanced resonant and like perfect it's in there enjoying everything that's happening and like knows that everything is okay and knows that everything is good and so yes but you have two separate now signatures essentially that have the underlying same frequency they go into second density and third density and as life happens to them traumas happen to them interactions happen to them um, if you think of those two separate now pieces as interlocking, interwoven, interconnecting jigsaw pe puzzle pieces, now they go out into the world and have all these experiences, which is more energy, more conditioning, as you know from our history, a lot more trauma, a lot more wounding probably of the masculine and feminine energies, which have been out of balance for a long time and the forces want to continue to have us be at war with ourselves and each other. And so those then jigsaw puzzle pieces are out there having all these experiences when they come back together they're able to ever get close to each other because they're like magnets drawn to each other um they're also going to experience all of whatever they still need to heal and deal with and usually integrate and find harmony with which is some aspect of themselves slash each other <laughs> and part of the sameness that they'll need to deal with and manage and feel good about to not reject each other for one of them to reject the other and then the reunion is planned and looked forward to because once they are able to do that either together or independently, and when the pieces do finally fit back together, then the oneness now of that connection of two whole puzzle pieces coming together and having that underlying same frequency then means what they can create together and the energy that they resonate together in is that much more increased and that much more like amazingly you know, um, expansive and um, conducive to ascension, which is essentially consciousness being able to increase its density, which is its capacity to hold experience, to hold um, a vibrational amount of love to eventually get back to the same resonant frequency as source which is unconditional love infinite power 
in divine harmony. Okay, so I want to say this. What you're describing is essentially amplification. And I think that you can have an appropriate amplifier because a whole plus a whole equals infinity. And you mm -hmm. can have a great amplifier who's not your twin flame. You know, like we have tons of soulmates on this planet, not everybody, but tons. Like, and soulmates can take so many different relationships. Um, I would say my therapist is a soulmate. My mm -hmm. best friends are soulmates, right? Like, and sometimes my soulmates aren't soulmates of each other. So I find soul family very like a line of inquiry I'm very excited about. But what I want to say is like when you can find secure attachment with someone, the amount of risk that you can emotionally withstand exponentially increases. And when you increase the amount of risks you're willing to take, it helps to level up your karma, which means that your karmic experiences get gentler. They get easier. They could even be fun. So like here's two creating the emotional safety you need in your own self to feel whole, right? That's work you got to do because we are in a capitalist, extractive, colonialist experience that wants you to feel totally unwhole, right? So you work on your wholeness and then hopefully you meet up with someone, whether they're your twin flame or not, like who is willing to do secure attachment with you, which is just communication, repairing after conflict, like learning your boundaries, learning your love languages, like knowing your recipe, right? And like, and this can be multiple amplifiers too. Like, let's talk about polyamory, right? So like you get into this secure attachment where you can withstand more risk, you're leveling up, you're getting these higher vibrational connections and like we all win. And it's not this like Disney being chosen, like the right guy is going to fix your whole life kind of vibe. It's like the right people are going to help you feel like a more badass version of yourself. Yes. And the twin flame journey or ascension soul journey is intended to remind you of your own divinity and of your own ability to choose how you wanted to come here and experience the duality and the physical nature of human experience for your soul's expansion. And there, you're doing that just for your own purposes and for your own understanding and not because there's anything lacking or missing out and you have as many number of lives as you could ever need. And so even if for some reason in this life is not your reunion life, and that might be even if it's what you want the most and maybe because you want it the most. And if you want it the most, you might be avoiding doing something else. And that might be why you're not maybe gonna do that. And then as soon as you stop wanting it and you focus on the thing that you would do if you had found your twin flame and they were right there with you and they were providing you you know, the support and love that would help your creational power, what would you do? And then you do that thing. And then that's a thing that helps you vibrate in your divine harmony in the way you're, that you're meant to and magnetizes not just possibly your twin flame, but lots of folks that, again, yes, are able to connect with you on a soul vibrational level. And so all of that we're meant to be doing here and experiencing is meant to remind us that we are all one part of the creation that is everything at once also seeming to be individual and the illusion of separation so that we can experience it because if it was all at once at the same time then you just see everything and it's overwhelming um and that's what source is able to do it's too much for our consciousness to do that because we're meant to experience it in um in a developing way and increase our consciousness and the density of our consciousness towards the collective harmony but you can't do that all at once. And we can't observe it all at once. It is happening all at once, technically, but we can't observe it all at once and be too overwhelming. So it's meant to not have you chasing or wanting to be chased, but remembering that it's part of your journey and part of your process to get to do that because you get to do anything you want as a soul. And if you do you know, resonate with that and it speaks to you and you've been wanting to have that kind of love, whether it's romantic or not, and we didn't talk about this, but um, it's important to talk about folks do have a lot of expectations or build expectations around their twin flame and what they have to be or whom they have to sort of like show up as. And that probably is going to bring you lots of fun surprises and um, potential disappointments because if you're thinking that way, possibly then you're maybe just pushing something away and let, instead of being open to understanding that you as a soul might've wanted to make that other piece of you that is you be so different to you 
so that if you found them and they were super different to see if you would recognize yourself, essentially, again, knowing if you really know yourself or not. And so if you think you have this idea of like a perfect person they have to be, and you're projecting a lot of things on that person, it may be that that is like what you're trying to push away in a way. And so um, I think it's really important if this is something that resonates with you and like you're looking for, you know, the love that you've always wanted to have, it makes sense that you may be on a twin flame journey and that's why you have that resonance with it. And also it doesn't mean that it's going to be the perfect romantic partner necessarily that are your soulmates that help you grow and evolve that way, or that is your actual twin flame, you know, sort of same person in another body, because um, your divine plan coming in was made before you had all your human attachments and human conditions and sort of like preconceived notions. Um, and so those things might be different. For me, it's really helped me um, feel more peaceful about feeling really grateful about any love that does come in my life and focusing much more on my own needs and how to like how to be in my own divine harmony and to resonate with my own peace that I can share with others so that I'm not um, missing really meaningful connections because I'm still feeling anxious or thinking I should be chasing someone because that's such a typical twin flame thing that if you're chasing or being chased or in sort of a chase and be chased dynamic then that might be your real twin flame and like <laughs> it's exhausting too and I don't want to do that anymore <laughs> it is exhausting I think there's a way to like grow and amplify yourself during what Colin of Queer Cosmos calls partner pre-selection like mm-hmm. um I love that formula of just like okay what would I do if I felt free what what would I do if I didn't feel fear that's a really great journal question always right like Mm because there's something in our desires that is coming through that wants to be birthed through us and our desires can change our resonance can change um day by day so that's why like daily meditation is important that's why daily connection to source is important and Mm -hmm. being open and flexible because essentially life is chaos and it's seeking order and you can see that play out in nature all the time and um it's you know these arbitrary classifications of humans that give us an idea that there is some order to even begin with um what are some things that or can you cite some sources like where who have you studied with and like where are a lot of your twin flame understandings and soul understandings coming from okay my favorite one was one that i sent you and then you know if you google it you can find so much i have to find the actual name of it but i think it's expanding one of my favorite reasons uh, or things that I do in my friendship with uh, Michael Anthony is like uh, we both have different lines of inquiry that we study and so coming together and just getting brain dumps from Michael Anthony of all the things that he's learning is really fun for me so this is the twin flame soulmate stuff has always been an interest of mine and we've talked about it many times so we wanted to like gather that info on the podcast and share it with all of you Okay, this one is my favorite. Um, Expansion for ascending consciousness. Understanding the universe, consciousness, and ascension by Todd Devine. Todd Devine. And then he has a second book too um, that expands on that and then also has guided meditations that I took and did um, voice memos out of to help me listen. It's something that I'm still working on, honestly, to um, focus the flow of energy and through your chakras and through various visualization techniques to um, be more in the sort of trans hypnotic state of brainwave peacefulness and connection to source essentially. So but yeah, his is my favorite it's sort of a scientific um, book about the whole universe and how everything works here, everything being consciousness and then the twin flame or duality sort of and um, ascension journey is is part of one of the things that souls can do. So of course we do it because we want to experience it and it's fun and um, it's a way to understand ourselves as separate wholes that can come together and then make something even more incredibly like powerful, which is one of you know the laws of the universe and sort of energy and creational. Um, understanding that makes sense for us to experience I love that um it's also important to know that like twin flame can become very gimmicky and like it can be very much 
used to reinforce this idea that we need to be chosen. Um, and I think a lot of people get really <laughs> stuck in this toxic cycle of I need to be chosen by this person. And so therefore I'm going to act in all of these like unethical ways. And um, I know it's been a lot of work for me to root out that belief that I need to be chosen in order to be worthy. Um, but just remember that shame and all of that kind of stuff is planted in the garden of your mind and it's planted by outside sources and you can always go through and weed those things out. So like releasing the need to be chosen by anybody, you know, and like allowing, um, allowing my friends to be a source of unconditional love and understanding. Like I received the love from my mother who I love very much, but like, she doesn't understand me. <laughs> like she doesn't get it. And that's cool. Like there are people in this world who fully know me and fully love me. And I also know that is true for how the goddess sees me and experiences me and is just delighted by me. So even when I'm fucking up. So anyway, I just wanted well, to talk about that. You can't be fucking up, Evan. You can't be yes. fucking up. You have to, you're only ever as a soul experiencing the human experience. You're just consciousness wanting to experience. And so your soul, probably the things that you would classify as fuck up, supply the things your soul loved the most and may have learned the most from and like enjoyed the most, which is maybe why it keeps bringing these things along that you call fuck ups is because it's like, it delights in that understanding that comes from doing these things that maybe you were like, ah, I didn't really want to find myself doing this thing that was like, not, you know, what I wanted. But yeah, I mean, I, at least I think I try to give my soul some benefit of the doubt on that sometimes. And I'm like, oh, this must be very novel and enjoyable for you to get to experience this from over there while I'm here <laughs> having this like, yeah, um, fuck up experience. Because <laughs> I also, yes, I'm sure you can ask me like, when have you fucked up? And I'm like, oh, I know I fucked up lots. Let me tell you when. <laughs> but we're not, we're not actually ever, we have to remember that. And it's hard to remember sometimes. <laughs> it is hard to remember sometimes, but it's also glorious to, to remember remembering that like, oh yeah, that's right. I can't fuck this up. I'm just here. Um, but I'm also very invested in this idea. I just learned this recently about leveling up your karma through risking more. And, um, and it's interesting. What does risk mean to me? And like, how does it feel emotionally in my body? Um, I've been talking to my therapist a lot about this and I think like it's this risk, the, the, the way I feel it is it's like cringe, right? It's like this embarrassment or like a flood of embarrassment that I get after I expose myself. And it happens after every time I release a podcast episode, every time I release a blog post, um, every time I have this, like I have rules for myself for, okay, when you publish, you can't go back and edit, like it's done. Um, if you record something, it is one and done because otherwise my perfectionism will like my Virgo rising perfectionism will just come in and like want to just tinker with it until I can feel safe being exposed, but that's not how being exposed feels. Being exposed feels risky emotionally. And even yesterday I was putting up flyers around um, town for my Zoom aerobics. And I just felt, I felt the same wave of emotional exposure every time I put my picture and my product on a bulletin board for people to see and judge. And like, it's, the way I deal and manage with it is that I allow it because you don't want to fight your feelings. All your feelings are valid, right? I just allow it. And then I move on and like, I process it as best I can. I shake it off. Um, but I just know that part of the process of risking more and becoming a leveled up version of myself and experiencing lessons as more gentle, um, instead of having to have big fuck ups, right? Like there's lots, I wish I could go back and do in a different way that would have been more gentle, but like, that's not how we lived. And so like, I want to level up my risking because I want to make a bigger difference in this incarnation. I don't want to waste this incarnation. And like, I also know that when I risk being known, I allow people who need what, whatever perspective I have to offer them, you know, like some people come into my life, they learn one thing and then they disappear. And some people have been following my work since 2002 and are like along for this journey of life to see what I'm going to talk about next and don't care even the subject. So like I trust and allow myself to be whole and to be complete with or without a partner but like I do love the idea of a twin flame it sounds so romantic yeah well it is even if it's not romantic it'll feel romantic like you can have a platonic relationship with a twin flame that would be very like seemingly like 
and energetically, I bet really um, would feel really great. I wanted to, I wondered, Bevan, if we could for a second, I wonder, I wonder from other lives, what comes up for me is wondering if maybe you've had many lives where sharing your magic and sharing what you're able to do with others did put you at risk and you did it anyway and you would have paid the price for it anyway. And then now like the risk doesn't seem maybe as like, you know, mortally significant. And yet you would have maybe that remembrance of those other times. And then we do know in this life, like it can feel still very like disconnecting and like final to be, you know, even if one relationship is impacted, but much less if like many are. And so I wonder if it does make sense. And like, it is so brave of you to continue like pushing past it, but if there's something there that needs to be healed from like other times when your magic has been, you know, of course, put you at risk for the collective sake and you would have been healing and helping others anyway. Uh, yeah, that totally resonates. Like, that sounds right. Like, this is a wound to dig into. I think like in many ways, like the, my victory in it is just continuing to take action. Um, and yeah, also- that's so awesome. Um, also the wound I'm working on in this season, um, this, uh, right now Mars and Venus are in Leo and, mm -hmm. um, I'm doing another microdosing cohort this time with a different facilitator, my friend Drea. And, um, and it's all based on your birth chart and like psychedelics affect your Pluto placement. Like she has these amazing theories that are very brilliant. And, um, the wound that I'm working on in that is I am easy to love and like really rooting out any any beliefs in the body because beliefs are in the body thoughts are in the mind rooting anything out that is not that and so i'm sure there is wounding in that in multiple lives uh where i i i would like to believe that my soul is always speaking truth to pseudo power um across all lifetimes yeah. and um getting the word out that there are other ways to live but I am very curious uh, if I can release that exposure. I think sometimes exposure therapy is necessary though. You just got to do the thing again and again and know that it's going to feel cringe and that's okay. Like it's part of being vulnerable. Yeah. There's nothing worth it. And then yes, it would make sense though since, you know, yeah. Times have only been more challenging ever <laughs> and they can be very challenging even now for sure in lots of ways. And then, I do think, as we've talked about before, everything goes back to attachment and like our ability to feel secure in the world um, and have something to feel securely attached to. And then in a world that is often threatening, you know, our attachments as queer folks and <laughs> as, you know, so many intersections that you and I both like feel very resonant with, like so many communities and that we can also feel it for the communities that we don't feel like are similar to us, but that we just want every community to be doing really well and expect like the global collective to be working collectively, you know, for the greater good. It is really challenging to like not have everything feel very serious and heavy and like dense at times, I think. And that's who and I, I think have been spending a lot of time like examining that and doing our best to manage it and like not stay stuck in it, but also like be real about it when it happens because it's still very, very real. And we are still very much in a pandemic, like, you know, in a global, like, crisis setting. It's so, I have to say, you are one of the few friends I have that is a very consistent masker. And I love that about you. And the masking is like a visible sign of solidarity with people you might never meet, but who will not receive a virus, whether you're carrying symptomatically or not, simply because you made the choice to wear a mask. And, like, it's such a simple act which has such profound life-saving consequences that like it makes me very bummed about the world right now but I also continue to hold the belief that just enough people are going to catch this idea that like if you follow your desire path simply pausing getting resonance like discerning what your next right action is that desire path is tremendously beneficial to the entire collective and so we all get to experience a leveled up lifetime because individuals choose their desire path yeah I really and I appreciate you too so being like I know it's it's challenging and it's like spitting in the wind sometimes for us and I still admit it though that um or I acknowledge and I admit that really I'm grateful I am grateful that I've been masking because so far I have only been sick that I know of one time but that one time that I was sick I didn't have symptoms and I felt fine 
completely. And so I went to Zumba, like I wanted to that day because I felt great in my body. I really did. I was like, I feel great. I'm going to Zumba. And I wore my mask as I continued even today. I wore my mask in Zumba. Um, and later that day when I tested, it turns out I was sick. And if I hadn't worn my mask that day, there's no doubt that I might've been contagious enough to make other people sick, even though I had no symptoms until really almost like two days later, I started to feel like not, uh, I'd say not as bad even as like a sinus infection, but enough that I was like worn down. And then I lost my sense of taste and smell, which was very hurting. Oh, I can't even imagine the horror. It was and very impactful to like your survival, y'all. Like if you don't know if food has soured, you really can't, like you just, if you can't smell it and you can't taste it, like you really can't tell and you could legit be poisoning yourself and you just wouldn't even know it. So um, I was really glad though. I told the people in my Zumba class though still, um, even that I had hugged that day with my mask on, I leave my mask on even like to hug them and stuff until I go outside. And I'm really glad like no one, no one else got sick. Even the person that I was in the car with that day, like, you know, we manage our distance and like, I wore my mask later on and we didn't hug and stuff. And I didn't even make her sick. And I was just really grateful that I had managed at least my little bubble as well as I could by wearing my mask, even though I, and I'm glad I didn't miss Zumba, honestly, because I know I was down for a little while to like, you know, not be able to move and stuff. So I was glad that I'd gotten that last class in, but I would have just felt that much worse to like pass on. So yeah, I still like wearing my mask in like common spaces, even in big crowds and even outside I've worn it sometimes. And then, you know, there's other times where I feel, you know, in my bubble enough outside and like I manage it and whatever. But um, yeah, to me, it's such a simple, like, you know, measure to take just in case, because I legit like may not know that I'm sick, legit. Yeah. And it's just true. Yeah. And masks are like good for this era of like AI and security and all this stuff and facial recognition stuff. Like the government doesn't need to know where I am. Um, and also I really think that there is something to paper bonding and just acknowledging just like fluid bonding in a relationship where you might pass STIs from one metamorph to another through a hinge partner. Um, this is like how polyamory works. Like you have, you share a common partner. That's the hinge partner. Metamores are the two people who mm-hmm. are in that relationship. Right. So like extend that to the vapor you share with people, right? Like I am vapor bonded with very few people. I just added, um, there's a, a couple friends I have in Port Townsend, which is the town where my PO box is. And, um, I decided I was like, okay, we're going to be vapor bonded now. And this is what this means. I'm going to go into your, we mostly hang out outside, but I'm going to go into your house to use the restroom and not wear a mask, which means that if either of us get exposed, any of us get exposed, we tell each other. And so like, because we know the air is exchanged. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. I wish more people would understand the consequences of our vapor these days like we should have had mass universal masking and universal air quality as a result of this pandemic and the government does not care about us and does not want us to live treats our bodies as a thing to extract capital from and so uh joe biden i just think of him uh sitting there during the vaccine time having been the one politician who's received the most money from big pharma Um, saying everybody who vaccines, you can take your mask off, which was never the science. Um, And he is sitting on the bodies of the millions of people he has caused death for by normalizing unmasking. If we could have kept masking at that point, that was such a tipping point in where people could have stayed more alive and we could have really influenced people. I think, I believe we're going to go back to masking. I think that will become more universal as people understand how important it is. And it's never too late to mask again. Um, right. Like, but it, it makes me bonkers that people are just so capricious with other people's lives and with their germs and also poop vapor. You walk into a restroom and someone pooped there like six hours ago and you were still breathing their bacteria. Why do that when you could just simply wear a piece of cloth on your fucking face? So this is, this is the, yes, this is one of the things I think that you really need to think about and like consider and understand like the thing that you're smelling in the air is visible. If we could magnify it enough, it only exists as smell because it has enough existence to smell. And so if you can smell it, then yes, it's inside, you're ingesting it now. I'm like, I don't, so I've, I'm like you and I definitely like, I did get COVID the one time, you know, so even though I did the things I could, like, of course it can happen. It's, it's, it's an infectious disease. Fine. I've definitely been sick less often though, from everything else, including like the flu and common colds. 
the thing I've dealt with still is sinus infections because of my allergies. And like, that's been more than enough to deal with, honestly. So again, my mask helps me like in that way too, that like, I have less chance. I don't want to catch cold right now either. Like, I don't want to catch anything if I can help it and keep my body like healthy. And by the way, everyone's twin flame soul wants us to be healthy and in our highest vibrational possible. And so not the human sadly, like the human might be under like other conditioning or false beliefs or just brainwashing, honestly, I don't know. But um, masking is something we figured out after the 1918 flu, which we're never calling anything besides the 1918 flu, unless we want to call it something like with an American name, because it most likely didn't start here and not anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And the name given it is just, you know, more racism. Um, the 1918 flu, though, taught us I forgot about what it was called because I know it as the 1918 flu. Yeah. Um, That one taught us about masking and about like, you know, communicable diseases in small spaces and stuff. And so being in the Navy, like the first thing you do is you quarantine people because you are on a small ship or what seems small enough if you start getting everybody sick. Like you will quarantine somebody with the cold and send them like, it's like send them to sick bay. That's not something you just say like on TV shows. That's like a real thing. There's like a medical place to send people away from everybody else because you can't have the whole crew getting sick with like anything if you can help it. And so, yes, like some of the basic things like just went out the window because you can be brainwashed in any like silly choice, but not because we didn't learn some things already that would have, you know, that still are going to apply at some point. I agree with you at some point. In the Navy. Um, Sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, Also, a previous episode with Michael Anthony, we talk about your Navy experience under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, which is a great episode. Highly recommend. Um, I was wondering if it was a visual episode as I was getting ready for this one. And I realized, no, it was an in-person pre-2020 pandemic quarantine initial, um, like probably February 2020. And like, just like the whole world is different now, like including you. <laughs> so much has changed and definitely the pandemic is um, partly to credit for sure, since it happened to be happening. But also I do think the change in life in so many different ways brought me to more of a spiritual practice and spiritual understanding, spiritual um, awakenings, dark nights of the souls, a lot of crying um a lot of um reparenting of myself and also you know bringing myself into soul alignment has meant like having something to align too and something to feel connected to and the pandemic's change in life definitely was part of that because I overfunction a lot as you know partly in my romantic relationships by being very focused on them and prioritizing my romantic relationships above all else um and often you know um, no matter how, <laughs> how challenging, you know, to still have them matter the most, you know, and like, I, I don't regret it at all. And also like the pandemic made that, you know, more difficult because you couldn't see each other all the time or be as many and like in a bubble at times or just spend time together. The ability to over support all the femmes in my life. So yeah. You did a marvelous <laughs> job pivoting to self-care and journaling and daily meditation and nature walks and movement practice and like really prioritizing your, what I call the self-care kale. I wrote a blog post about it. If you want to look that up, Ooh. but like just okay. prioritizing the basics of your self-care and it, that in and of itself will make a huge difference in how you perceive yourself and orient in the world. Um, it's just putting yourself first so that you can actually fill your cup and then serve from your overflow will open up who you really are versus like the performance and the tap dancing you're doing for the people you think you need to please. Absolutely. And that, that's really, it is relevant to the twin flame journey and the ascension sort of journey of your soul. Like the higher vibration you can can be, then the better and the more, um, the better for your soul, let's say, for the better for your soul's expansion and energy, because if you're high vibrational, it means that you must be feeling well and you must be feeling healthy in your body and feeling strong and feeling capable and feeling able and feeling empowered and feeling authentic and feeling free and feeling safe and, you know, feeling as if life is a great, wonderful place to be. And um, that's the energy then that does have you attracting soul partners and, you know, folks that want to create with you and to do wonderful things because that's the energy that they want to embody as well. And that's the energy that you're um, twin flame or 
there's another name that I wanted to remember to try to call it, but because twin flame, I don't know, that's another, those words maybe make it, I really want to emphasize it doesn't have to just, even though I've often thought of it as just mostly romantic, or I felt like, why wouldn't you want to be romantic? I really want to say it doesn't have to be romantic. And like, especially this, in the, these days and ages, right? Like where romance sometimes can like um, be an impediment to a long-term sustaining thing. I can understand at least for myself how like, I need to shift away from assuming that it has to be romantic and then making every connection that I feel strongly about romantic <laughs> because it may not be that every romantic relationship serves you um, long-term and this being on an ascension journey is about your expansion and growth towards um, harmony. And so, yes, like focusing on yourself and how to secure yourself in this world, find your own security and being authentic and really knowing that you're also here with free will and you're here with your sovereignty and your complete choice, your soul. And everyone's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to leave. Your soul does not feel that way. Your soul absolutely wants to be here. It brought you here and you're here because you wanted to be and you had a purpose in doing this whole thing as a human and as, you know, getting to experience all of your human characteristics. And if you feel awful, it's hard to remember that. And then your soul is in there trying to help you feel better by taking good care of yourself, by loving yourself, by accepting yourself, by not denying who you are. And that's the thing that I have been working on for a long time. The, the struggle I had to be at peace often, even if my partners were doing their best to be loving and peaceful and supportive of me, was that I'd struggled to accept myself um, previously. And I had needed to really accept myself and then be willing to be myself even though it meant that certain relationships were going to end and we're going to change and we're going to um, no longer be a vibrational match. That's what I had to be willing to do by taking care of myself and choosing my peace was to trust that that is what was meant to be. And then some of those relationships may come back into vibrational alignment and matching again. Some of them may never. And then that's great. I'm grateful for them. And I'm grateful for how they um, have been important in my life and that I continue to hold love for them because my soul is just love and that's all you know we're really doing here and then in the meantime whatever you're observing and you know involved in is exactly where you're meant to be and so I think the twin flame journey is about knowing that there is another energy out there just like you underneath it's also experienced life differently and that y'all get to come together and that isn't what made you whole to begin with that was a choice that you made and you wanted to experience and so there's a reason that you must be experiencing things you're experiencing. And it isn't just to go find the other person or for them to find you. Um, it's to grow, you know, together into the oneness that is actually the reality of all of our experience. Amen. <laughs> it's really, I mean, and part of becoming who you really are is risking those connections and risking the truth. Um, I've yeah. been, this is my journey in the present quarter in terms of what I'm learning is, is trusting the truth to will out in my relationships, in myself, like the truth of all situations and circumstances, just like part of leadership is what is reality and choosing the reality that you're living in and like being willing and feeling safe enough to confront reality. Like I think any of us who have ever overcome addiction, like that's a level up, right? Like just learning how to trust yourself and learning how to trust the truth and feel safe anyway even though that's and it's hard some relationships aren't going to uh confirm a new identity because that person doesn't feel safe enough with themselves to be flexible with who you are which right you know. they may still have a little lint on them and i i want to encourage folks to find it um as an invitation for compassion then for yourself and everyone and treat everyone like your potential twin flame and treat everyone as if they might be the same <laughs> soul resonance as you having different experiences and now you know obviously still a very different person and a different ex expression and yet what's underneath that is still wanting love for each other and the best for each other and like you know and then they're not a good match for you or they're not bringing you know the energy that you want more of then release them with love and and move on knowing for sure though that everyone is having the experience they need to and if it's not if you're not able to reunion, have a reunion that feels really harmonious, then that's because of possibly the lint needing to come off in different ways and healings needing to happen. That can happen together, absolutely. And like the energy of a twin flame connection, the reason it's so wanted to be experienced and we you know gravitate towards it is because of how amazing 
um, it can feel in comparison to everything else and the, the honest of it and the, um, the joy of it and the energetic influx of it is the whole point of it. And it's also why it makes other things maybe pale in comparison. And yet you're here to have that full experience and it's an invitation to have it. And so you are still together, even in the illusion of being apart and you will find each other if you're meant to, for sure. And vibrationally, you'll have to, if you're taking care of yourself and loving yourself and treating yourself with all of the reverence and divine, you know, compassion that you deserve. And so I think even though it has been used in toxic ways and anything can become toxic, that's the duality of our experiences that, you know, um, there's various expressions of the same thing. And so I think the twin flame journey can be about oneness and about finding your whole authentic divine experience, or it can be about feeling incomplete in that unless you find that other person who chooses you as their twin flame and you feel they're your twin flame, then life is just meaningless and pointless. <laughs> like that's not like if that's what you need to experience and you need to feel for a while, do that for sure. Um, I prefer much more the the oneness aspect of like it was to remind me that I'm divine and whole and I came here to have these divine experiences, one of which is that reunion that I you know, very much look forward to. And I do, you know, think about and enjoy the idea of and like look forward to whenever it may happen. And in the meantime, I know I'm right where I'm meant to be and, you know, divine and whole and able to be peaceful too, you know, right now, always. Always. Um, Michael Anthony, any parting words? Yes. I will say to remember, um, you are, all of us are, little individual um, energetic expressions of source. And so what an adventure to get to share it together and get to learn and grow together and to be in this collective game as individuals. And I love getting to be in the game with you, Bevan. Thank you for being so amazing and wonderful. Me too, Michael Anthony. I am so grateful that you and I have collided um, all these years. Um, and that we still find resonance and connection and support with one another as friends. And it makes me so happy to get to have you. Also, it's just like a very enthusiastic supporter of my child, Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics. Like, um, you are just such a good cheerleader for me, and it helps me want to keep going. And I also appreciate everyone who tuned in, and I hope that you will find some resonance for yourself, risk your desire, risk owning your desire and naming it, even if even if more, maybe even especially if the other person doesn't want to resonate with your desire, like the important part was that you sowed the seed, not that you harvested the fruit. Um, so I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad all of us intersected in whatever year you're listening to this. That's the funnest part of a podcast is hello future. Um, I hope you're better. <laughs> um, I hope people are masking anyway. Uh, <laughs> bye everybody. <laughs>